Well, hello. Here we are again. And I've got to say, I really love doing these now because, and not that I didn't always love them, but, you know, it's like you're talking into an abyss until you start to get feedback. And I just love the comments and the messages that I get through social media on how much you guys are enjoying this. So thank you so much. And if there's ever a topic um, or a question that you've got that you'd like me to talk on, please let me know because I would love to just share my insights. And that's all these are. These are just my personal insights based on, you know, my four plus decades in this industry and doing education. So today I wanted to talk about, there's a great saying, you can't take people where you haven't been. And this is not just for leaders. This is for all of us, actually. And so um, the reason I think it's so relevant is, like I've said in a few previous podcasts, we've got an entire generation, and I said this to a group of senior leaders yesterday, where, you know, if you go back to 2008 and where we really just stopped formally educating, and when I say formally, I mean outside of the company, um, formally developing our people, especially in leadership, selling skills, communication, conflict resolution, self-awareness and so forth. And I said to them, now the, the average age would have probably been, and there were probably, I don't know, 50 of them on the call. Um, and the average age would have been between, let's say, 30 to 35, um, probably, and then upwards. So that's who I'm really speaking to when I say this generation, 35 years and under, because if you think about it, that's the age group that basically were coming into retail or coming into business at around 19, 20, 21. And now fast forward and you add 12 years onto that and here you have it, this current generation who have been raised in business um, through preferential leadership and tribal knowledge. So what does it mean you can't take people where you haven't been? Well, a lot of the time we leave people based on anecdotal evidence. So someone told us something about someone or we have our own personal interpretation and quite often our personal interpretation is just polluted with our own bias. And in a later podcast, I'll talk about my concept of flat typology and vertical experience. But just to give you a quick overview of that, flat typology is where all of those profilers fit in. So, you know, most people think that They've done a, a you know a bunch of profilers, but they really have only done one, which is a variant of the four temperaments theory. And so, the four temperaments theory was developed way back with Hippocrates. Um, there was someone else. I know that Plato and Hippocrates did a bit of work on it. Jung came along, divided it into sixteen, so it became the sixteen PF. And then, of course, we had the Isabella Meyer Briggs, you know, the mother daughter team, and they created the MBTI. And then from that, we've got you know, the four birds, we have the colours. Um, you know, the one that I'm very curious about right now actually is insights because I think they're, you know, they've added a, an int, um, intuition component to it, which really excited me. Um, but that's still flat typology. And flat typology just means that it's a psychometric test where, you know, a certain number of people were tested and from those questions or whatever, we came up with a, a general consensus that 
if you did this, this and this or felt this, this and this, you then fell under that category. So we have, you know, the VAKAD model in there. We have inferential literal. We have even birth order. Um, the seven-year cycles goes on there. So there are hundreds of psychometric tests that can give you an insight into that type. So not into you personally, but into that type. Why doesn't it give you an insight into you personally? Because it can't understand or it doesn't have the capacity to factor in your life. And that's why I added a vertical experience. So that vertical ascension through life, and I like to call it ascension because I remember Jane Fonda once saying that, you know, you, we don't go downhill, we ascend the staircase of wisdom. And I thought, oh gosh, that's fantastic. Now, wisdom is actually an intent, you know, just because you're a certain age doesn't mean to say you also have wisdom. But if we look at that, if we look at vertical experience, we also have in there, we have our health. So our health plays a huge amount um, or has a huge amount of influence on how we might perceive something. So you know yourself, I'm sure, when you're feeling sick or whatever, your patience is probably not as good as normal. Um, we can have our values, our beliefs, our education, our culture, um, where we were raised, who we met, the books we read. So all of that, uh, just the life experience in general, all of that goes into also influence then that flat typology. Is this making sense? So with all of that, and I call that the map of me, I'm actually writing a book. I know, I'm, this is, I've, I've now got two major, three actually, but two major books on the go. But this one is just powering along, I can't believe. And the only reason I started writing it was because I was dealing with a group of senior managers and I realized that they desperately wanted coaching skills. So they didn't know how to develop their star because they were doing it just from anecdotal experience. But they also didn't have that really solid map of themselves or the map of others. And when you understand yourself, there's that beautiful phrase, know thyself. And I swear, that's when I say to people, you know, we jump around in jobs and we move and all this stuff. And I say, the best thing you can do is progress up the, the corporate ladder, for want of a better word. Why? Because you get more and more responsibility and then you get to face yourself. That's why relationships are so amazing. Because when you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's romantic or friendship or whatever, parenting, you get you come face to face with that component of who you are. So you get a mirror into your soul. So if we can actually journey into that, you know, that or take that journey into self, it's amazing what we can learn. And there's a great saying, I, I actually, um, I quoted it in a speech, didn't know the author, and then someone, you know, gave me the credit for it. I felt so bad. But the quote was, the magic you're looking for is in the work you're not willing to do. And so I did research it and it came, it's an iteration from Joseph Campbell's um, phrase, love Joseph Campbell, um, which is the cave you are most fearful of entering is the cave that holds all your treasure. And that's basically what we're talking about, about knowing thyself is doing the work, is really diving in deep to find out who you really are and what's your projection onto a situation. What are your insecurities? What are your triggers? Because whatever they are, often if we don't have self-awareness, it gets projected back onto the person in front of us. It happens to me in the training room. Like I can have, like I said on a previous podcast, I can have 50 people in a room 
and 49 will hear something one way and one person will on a stack of you know whatever bibles whatever you want to believe will profess that i didn't say that i said this and even if it's recorded and so what does that say you can't make that person wrong because that's how they heard it my only disappointment is when people don't have the courage to actually come to me and say hey listen can i just chat with you about when you said blah 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 but because we haven't upskilled these people because we haven't given people the ability to confront situations the ability to um, sit in that conflict resolution state they don't they go and tell someone else and then that person who hasn't got any idea of what's going on inside that situation puts their agenda onto it and before you know it it's the old you know it's the story of the glass of water turns into the glass of whiskey you know um, and that's that whole gossip that tribal gossip so that's why skill upskilling ourselves and giving our people and giving yourself the skill sets to be able to handle the chemical reaction that's inside your body when you're having to confront situations, then we're going to have a much healthier existence and a much healthier um, um, culture. So just know that it is so imperative to do that journey. And also know as a manager that, like just like I said, there's never one side. It's always two-sided. So I want to tell you a quick story. So I had a, an area manager say to me, probably about a year ago, it was, we were in the middle of doing a leader program, the leadership program, and she contacted me that night and she said, can I just get some advice from you? And I said, sure. She said, I'm going out to reprimand one of my managers. Now, I find that term reprimand, we, I actually train that, so we have reprimanding skills, but you rarely ever need it if you're doing your job well as a manager. It's, when you get to a reprimand, it simply means that the person that you're dealing with is, not, is resistant to change. And so it happens in the training room. Like I'll have people who uh, come in and they're not willing to be coached. So they often will take over the room. They'll want to share their insights with the room. But they really, when you want to work with them or coach them, they have you know, full-on resistance and sometimes aggression. And so you have to be very wary of that. So that's when reprimanding and that sort of stuff comes in. But that's another conversation. So she said, I'm going out to reprimand him. And I said, oh, I said, what for? And I said, you know, because that's a strong word. And she said, because he yelled at one of his team. Now, really listen to the full context. So remember, I can't remember, I've done a podcast on this yet. I think I have on the five C's of learning, you know. So you can't just have content. You have to have comprehension of the content. And the way we get comprehension is to give it context. And we get context by actually executing what we know. So let's get some context around it. So I said, and this is what we do as a manager. We have to dig deep. I am so curious when someone makes a statement like that. I don't believe them to start with. And so she said, he yelled at one of his staff. And my question, if you've got a pen, write this down. I said, how do you know that to be true? So I, was in a, I wasn't judging. I was in a curious space. I said, oh, how do you know that to be true? She said, well, she told me. And I went, oh, curious. How do, you, how do you still know that to be true? And she, I could hear her confusion. And she goes, but she told me, Terry, that she, he yelled at her. I said, and that's my point, is how do we know that just her side of the events is the truth? And she went, ah. Now, when she went, ah, because you've got to listen for the tonality. You've got to listen for a willingness to hear what you've got to say. Because some people just aren't ready for it. 
and I said, tell me what her personal style is like because we had done the four temperaments, yeah? And she goes, oh, she's definitely passive. She's definitely an I, an interpersonal. And in DISC, I think that's a, a social, I think it is. Um, you're talking about a dove if you're doing the birds, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's a more passive, quiet, um, harmonious, you know, they're, they're after harmony, um, all of that. They're, they're more intro, yeah? I said, oh, okay. I said, and what's the manager's style? And she goes, oh, he's like me. Very, you know, loud, out there. I said, great. I said, so could it be that he didn't actually yell at her, that he was upset and because he's an extra, he was actually sharing that, that, that extras are louder by nature. And I always make the joke, this is yelling. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I yell to give people the comparison between yelling and somebody who has a, you know, a very expressive, loud voice. So just because somebody who hears it now, they could also be highly sensitive, so be an auditory. So that's why you've got to factor that in as well. And I said to her, I don't think that you have a reprimand situation. I think you have a coaching opportunity for both of them. So you probably need to coach the team member on how to speak up, to sit in her heartbeat, to sit in her chemical reaction and speak up so that when her manager speaks in that sort of a tone, she so you own it. So manager, when you speak in that sort of a tone, I feel, so own your own personal, no one makes us feel anything. I feel uh, quite nervous. I feel like I've got a full-on chemical reaction. Whatever your words are, I feel, you know, very nervous because I can't, and then I can't hear what you're saying. So could you, third part of that, so when you, I feel, so could you or would you mind just um, softening your voice a little bit so that I can hear what you've got to say because I really want to hear your feedback. Then you practice with her. Then you go to the manager and you say, talk about the temperaments, make, give it context and then say, when you are highly expressive, sometimes an extrovert's tone can be quite loud and quite clipped, especially being a behavioral, a B, a dominant. I think in Jung or Hippocrates, that's called choleric, whatever it is. That can also be heard from an introvert as being quite harsh. So what we could do here is do some coaching around how you can preface your languaging, preface your words, and just soften the tone. Would that be an interesting coaching session for you? So when you, people can feel, so perhaps what you could do next time is, and what you're doing then is you're coaching both parties. Does that make sense? Is that a value? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it is. And I just know myself, I constantly use these skills. I had a beautiful area manager say to me a couple of weeks ago when I was in um, Sydney, because um, she's the same thing. I hear this all the time. She said, you know, I've got a manager and she makes her staff cry. And that's such a broad, general, biased comment. Do you see that? But she didn't know. And we ended up having this amazing 20-minute coaching session. And she was like, oh my God, Terry, you've blown my mind. Like, this is amazing. Because she could see that, you know, the people who cry, just because people cry doesn't mean to say the other person's a bully. It just means to say that both of them need to have better skills when they're dealing in a conflict scenario. That's all. So big, big um, podcast, this one. 
but I hope that was helpful for you. And if you've got any questions, leave them in the comments or pop me an email, terry at terryhawkins.com. And I would love to expand this conversation. Um, but yeah, look, and if you want to have a chat to me about how you or your team could expand their skills, let's jump on. You know, we're doing some great things at Ignite Humans. We've got some great programs on our platform. And, you know, the more you know, the more you grow. And the more you grow, the more you know. And our beautiful teams and our beautiful people around us are the ones who benefit as well as we do. There's nothing that enhances the self-esteem more than having really powerful interpersonal skills. Okay, that's it. I'll see you next time.